When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A very, very busy day continues. If you have had your eyes or ears on Seahawks forever today, I reacted to the news when it broke. Pete Carroll out as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks after 14 seasons. And then Corbin Smith joined me on the show as a beat writer from the Seahawks to give his insider perspective on what was happening and what he thinks might happen next. And that's going to be my focus on this show. I'm going to give you my top five list of my favorite head coaching candidates, guys that I would like to see replace Pete Carroll. And I can't wait to hear what you think. My top five candidates to replace Pete Carroll as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks coming up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, in-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host, Dan Viennes. We love lists, don't we? Especially during the off season when we get into draft time, right? Top five at this position, top five at that position, top five players I'd like to see come back, top five players that need to be removed from the roster. Stuff like that. But we weren't sure we were going to have to do this one this offseason, were we? Some of you, I will give you credit, uh, and I will eat some crow, I suppose, as it were. Some of you have been adamant over the last week telling me, Pete's gone. Pete's gone. I know it. I can feel it. Well, the truth is you didn't know it. You wanted it. None of us knew it. Uh, Although Corbin did tell me today, Uh, Just to finish that thought, by the way, I was adamant that I just didn't think they would do this. I didn't. I thought one more year. Um, But his press conference Monday, his his coach's show was so kind of cringy. Some of the excuses that he made and and essentially admitted that uh, the coaches weren't doing a good enough job and that starts with him. Um. And even in his end of season or end of career press conference today that he had at the VMAC, if you haven't watched that, I will put the description or the link to that in the description of the show so you can so you can watch that. Uh, very emotional. He made it clear that this was not his decision, that he wanted to stay, that he fought for that, but that ownership and management wanted to go a different direction. Uh, even though Jody Allen came out with the official statement, uh, saying that, in fact, let me put that on the screen again if you're watching on YouTube. Um, saying that uh, we have amica- amicably agreed with Pete Carroll that his role will evolve from head coach to remain with the organization as an advisor. Um, and that his uh, 
Expertise in leadership and building a championship culture will continue as an integral part of our organization moving forward. I'm not so sure. Not so sure about that. Um, because Pete did make it clear this wasn't his decision. It's not what he wanted. He's not sure what's next. Uh, when asked directly about uh, what that advisory role entails, he said, we haven't figured that out yet. We'll talk about that. Uh, when asked if he would have any say in who the next head coach is, he said, nope, that's John Schneider's call. Uh, he emphatically placed his support behind John Schneider and and even indicated that one of the reasons he agreed to, um, well, he had no choice, right? But but that it was a mutual agreement. He used those terms. That he was open to agreeing to that was... Um, was that John Schneider was going to stay in place, stay in place, and for the first time in his career, call the shots as a GM with total control over the football operations department. Um, very very emotional press conference. You should watch it. Uh, I loved it. Loved I loved the way the Seahawks have handled this. I thought if there was going to be a parting of the ways, this is the way we wanted it to happen. Right? We didn't just want it to be a, a Black Monday. Uh, 12.01 a.m. news dump like the Falcons did with Arthur Smith that they handled, that they would handle it exactly the way that they did. Um, Love the way that went down. Uh, Just an absolute legend, obviously. Um, And even um, some of the reaction today around the league. Rich Eisen said he thinks he's a, put himself in the conversation for uh, NFL Hall of Fame as a coach. Um, Richard Sherman said he was shocked that this happened, thought that the, the roster was talented enough that Pete could still get some more out of it. Um, and then all of the accolades and all of the thank yous rolling in. I saw them from uh, Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham, even Russell Wilson chimed in, said, keep shooting, coach. Um, Pete Carroll will be beloved. Uh, no matter how badly you wanted him out, I'm sure that you would agree with that. But the reality is that now we got to look ahead and there are other organizations in the NFL that are also looking for head coaches. There will be competition for some of the top candidates. Make no mistake about it though. This is an attractive job. The Seahawks should be able to garner the interest of any head coaching candidate who's out there. It is a young roster with tons of talent. We all agree uh, the draft classes of 2022 and 2023, although an incomplete grade, certainly on 2023 because of some injuries. Um, But we like what we saw at the top, right? Devin Witherspoon, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Um, Some unknowns later in that draft. But, But we look at every single position group on this roster. And... You have to feel as a head coaching candidate that it's a place you can walk into and win. We've been saying, or I've been saying for months now, that uh, privately and on this show, that I think if Pete had stayed and agreed to bring on a strong defensive coordinator, which very may well have been part of the discussions in which direction this organization wanted to move forward with ownership. It's very plausible that ownership and management may have said, are you willing, may have asked him, are you willing to do that? And Pete wasn't. But a good DC, I think, could have gotten more out of this group. The talent's there. 
And there's opportunities when you look forward next year to, to bring uh, most of that core back. But it's time to move on. And which direction are you going to go? For as much as I think Cal- Colin Coward, <laughs> I've been talking a lot today. The mouth is tired. Uh, for as much as Colin, you may think that Colin Coward is a blowhard. And I do tend to lean that way. Um, he's well-connected. And one thing he's been saying for quite a while, I give him credit for this, and he talked about it again uh, today when he reacted to this move, is look around the league and look at all the coaches that have gotten fired. They're all defensive coaches for the most part. Defensive coaches. What The league is evolving or has evolved, and it's being dominated now by young offensive minds. And that maybe within the, the framework of a flow chart organizationally, a power structure, that maybe it's it's harder as a defensive-minded head coach to find good offensive coordinators. When you do and you have success, they immediately get snapped up and hired. Look what happened to Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. His first year there, he had Matt LaFleur. Outstanding offense. Then LaFleur gets hired by Green Bay to be their head coach. He gets two seasons with Arthur Smith. Outstanding offenses. Arthur Smith gets snapped up to be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Whereas if you're an offensive head coach, you have total control of what happens on that side of the ball. And it is it is an offensive-driven league. There's something to be said for that. It could just be random happenstance also. And certainly there are some candidates on this list that have defensive backgrounds. In fact, the list I'm about to show you has uh, three of the five have defensive backgrounds. Um, but I wanted, to, I, I wanted to get into this and then I want to get your feedback. And then I just want to sit back and watch it unfold because we're going to find out a lot about how this organization thinks and how John Schneider thinks. He has been planning for this day for years. There was always going to be a time, I felt, where he was going to get a chance to call the shots. When he and Pete Carroll signed contract extensions within weeks of each other a couple of years ago, Pete's ran through 2025, or we've come to find out recently that it was 2024 with an option for 25. And John's was through 27. I've always been a big fan of John Schneider as a GM. As a person, I've met him several times, interacted with him. He's just hes just a cool dude, right? I always wanted to see him get his shot. You know, a couple of years ago, he had an opportunity. It was, it was pretty widely reported to go to Detroit and take over that organization, and he turned it down to stay here. This is where he wants to be. This is, this is where he's established a home and his family and his foundation. His kids grew up here. And uh, they're empty nesters now. The kids are out of the house and they get to enjoy that next phase of their life. And now they get to do it with John Schneider calling the shots. And we're going to find out a lot. You know, there, there was always debate come draft time about who really was driving the ship there. Good draft picks, bad pe- draft picks. How much did Pete Carroll have to do with some of those decisions? Taking running backs in the second round. It took a lot of criticism nationally for that was that. Was that Pete's call? 
some of the size and strength and physical parameters, some of the character um, aspects that they would look for in players. Maybe it will be different with John uh, calling the shots, especially given the fact that he's going to be acquiring talent now for a different coach with, um, we assume, different schemes, different philosophies, different ways they want to go about playing defense and offense. Um, that's going to be fascinating. But where is their thinking? Right now, the consensus seems to be that Dan Quinn is is the the front runner. But the the tendency right now, the trend in the league is these young offensive minds. Maybe that's what they have in mind. Let me put the list up first, and then we'll go through, and I'll give you a little bit of background, a little bit of bio on each one, and tell you why I think these guys are attractive to me. Here is, dun dun dun, dun do I have any, I don't think I have any, like, fun music like that, do I? Uh, no. Anyway, here it is. My top five head coaching candidates to succeed. Pete Carroll. Number one, Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator with the Detroit Lions. Number two, Mike Vrabel, just fired, surprisingly so, in his own accord, uh, from the Tennessee Titans yesterday after six years. Number three, Dan Quinn, talked about him. Number four, Bobby Slowick, the youngest guy on this list and the most inexperienced. Number five is Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator from the Baltimore Ravens. These are in order of what, of how much I like them at the moment. Now, let me qualify this by saying none of us really know who these guys are and, and what makes them tick. We have some idea with Dan Quinn because we've seen him here in Seattle. We've seen him operate. We've seen interviews. We've seen him as a head coach. We we know a lot more about Mike Vrabel. But these young guys that haven't had a shot to be head coaches, I've never seen an interview with Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald or Bobby Slowick. I don't know how they carry themselves. One of the things that I've been saying for the last couple of years about Shane Waldron, when, when there were times, uh, certainly the last two off seasons, where he was kind of a, not, never became a hot coaching candidate, but his name would be thrown around there. And it actually is being thrown around now is I just never saw him as a guy that when he steps behind the podium, he inspires inspiration. A little redundant there, but, but I think you know what I mean. He's not a dynamic personality. Some head coaches, when you listen to him talk, you just see greatness. Certainly in, in a guy like Sean McVay, you can see why at the, at the young age that he was, how he was able to walk into those offices with the Rams and blow them away. Uh, I, I saw that when I was watching that the quarterback series on Netflix last year in Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. It just seems has that it factor, something special about him. That guy's a head coach. I remember Pete Carroll saying that about Dan Quinn when he hired him the first time as a defensive line coach. He didn't know him, and he was somebody had recommended Dan Quinn to him, and he did so in a way he basically told Pete, this guy's going to be a head coach someday. He had that about him turned out to be right don't know if ben johnson has that don't know if bobby slowick or mike mcdonald have that quality but their resumes are intriguing and impressive ben johnson 37 years old 
He's worked his way up through the Dolphins organization, uh, cut his teeth quite a bit under Adam Gase. Uh, And then he was on staff in Detroit when Dan Campbell got the job. He was promoted to passing game coordinator as they kind of phased Anthony Lynn out in those early days. Then he was promoted offensive coordinator. Last two years, in 2022, they were fourth in the NFL. The Lions were in total in yards per game and fifth in points per game. And then this year, third in uh, yards per game, fifth in points per game. What I like about Ben Johnson is how he uses his personnel. He's gotten the best out of Jared Goff, a guy who a couple of years ago, I think many fans regarded in a similar vein to how Geno Smith is regarded now. He failed in LA. He's a bust, turnover machine. You can always count on him to throw you the ball a couple times a game. Um, and and the, the assumption was once that trade was made that Detroit was going to be looking for a franchise quarterback. Well, they... They made Jared Goff into one. And I think Ben Johnson deserves credit for that. And I think he's achieved that in a number of ways. A very, very balanced attack there. They throw the football with Amonra St. Brown and some of the other young receivers they have there. He's successfully used a two-running back attack with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. There's some striking similarities in the skill sets of those two guys compared to Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker, in my opinion. And the thing that I really like is what has frustrated us as much as anything watching the Seahawks offense the last couple of years. They had a tremendously talented group of tight ends and they never utilized them to their fullest potential. He took a rookie tight end in Sam Laporta this year and made him a pro bowler, made him a weapon, a consistent weapon, a huge part of that offense. They play physical. They have a good offensive line. They hit you in the mouth. They can run the football between the tackles. There's He's good in the screen game, but he can get the ball downfield too. Um, he's going to be in, in hot demand. But he may view this opportunity as one that's a little bit better than some of the other ones. He's going to get... He's getting interviewed by all the the bad teams, right? The teams in the top 10, the teams that are in total rebuild that are going to have to draft a rookie quarterback and start from scratch. There's a reason those teams are drafting that high and looking for new head coaches. I think this is a unique situation and one that uh, I would hope would appeal to him. And I would hope that sometime in the next uh, few hours, um, in the next couple of days that we hear that he is going to be interviewed by the Seahawks. Now, remember, these guys that are in the playoffs can't be hired right away. You can interview them within certain windows and they can do a lot of stuff through Zoom now. It doesn't have to be in person. Um, but this is going to have to be slow played most likely over the next couple of weeks. Um, four out of these five candidates are active in the playoffs as we speak. Uh, Mike Vrabel. Now he's he's a defensive guy. If you believe what Coward's saying, you might have some questions. But look how successful he was when he had good offensive coordinators. Right. Uh, of course, he was a decorated player, Steelers, Patriots, known for his time there, winning Super Bowls, Chiefs. Uh, and then he became head coach in Tennessee. Uh, six years there, a 54 and 45 record. He started off um, 11 and 5, 12 and 5, or two 9 and 7 seasons. Then he went 11 and 5 and 12 and 5, and then two straight losing seasons the last two years. But I think if you look at that roster, I don't know if he got the support he needed. Um, 
Certainly the offensive line has struggled for the last two years. Taylor Lewan and his injuries and having to retire didn't help. There's some questions about the personnel decisions that have been made there, though. A head coach, in, in some respects, can only be as good as the players he's given, right? But when he had good offensive coordinators, he was very successful. As I mentioned at the top, Matt LaFleur and then Arthur Smith. When Arthur Smith was there in 2019, they were 10th in points per game, 12th in yards per game. And then 2020, Smith's second year there, third in yards per game, fourth in points per game. And that's with Ryan Tannehill as your starting quarterback. Another guy that I think a lot of you might agree uh, would kind of be in that I think you can make a case that Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill, mid-tier quarterbacks, right? And he he won and, and won big physical running game, obviously there with Derrick Henry. Um, the thing that appeals to me about Vrabel, obviously, is he is a he's revered in the locker room. He is a leader of men. And if you haven't seen the quote, it's on my timeline somewhere uh, from him. Heading into the last game of the season, a game that wasn't going to get, get them anywhere. They were eliminated from playoffs. Um, but they came up, they showed up and played hard and beat the snot out of the Jacksonville Jaguars who were playing for a division title. And he was asked uh, something along the lines of, you know, what's what's your motivation for winning this game? Uh, even though you're not going to make the playoffs. And he, <laughs> he pointed right at the reporter and he said, because losing sucks. Losing really sucks. He is a hard-nosed, He's a little bit old school, even though he's 48 years old, a little bit of a throwback, but he is a leader of men. And uh, his teams play physical, they play hard. I think he would have to come in here with a plan to present to ownership and to John Schneider of who he's going to hire as his offensive coordinator. And wouldn't you know it, Arthur Smith just let go by the Atlanta Falcons and doesn't seem to be in this hiring cycle, likely wouldn't get another head coaching opportunity in this hiring cycle. What about the idea of Vrabel and Arthur Smith being reunited here in Seattle? How would you feel about that? I've got Dan Quinn as number three on my list. Let me pop that list up here again. Dan Quinn is number three. I Look, I, I have some reservations too. Um, his Dallas defenses... Uh, have dominated at times, but they've also given up some yards at times. The Seahawks did it to him, right? We saw how the Seahawks moved the ball on them. A lot of you, he will have a lot of detractors. This would be a very polarizing hire. Many of you just associate him with Pete. You want a clean break and a fresh start, and you think that it would be same old, same old. If Pete's scheme didn't work under Pete, why would it work under Dan Quinn? Well, here's what I have, would have to say about that. Uh, Dan Quinn runs a different scheme now than Pete Carroll had run the last couple of years. Uh, he has stuck, for the most part, from what I understand, uh, with more of that 4-3, uh, um, with a Leo, and uh, plays more man-to-man. I think he's more aggressive blitzing, doesn't play the zone as much uh, as, as, as Pete Carroll preferred and his defensive coordinators under him. And, you know, if you want to play a drinking game, uh, just hop into any chat room with Seahawk fans and uh, and take a drink every time someone mentions the term soft zone. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a more aggressive defense. You see what he's done with some of the talent there. 
um, it's I'm intrigued by it. And, and I also believe that if, if you don't like the Dan Quinn possibility simply because of how things ended in Atlanta, go look at their rosters. Go to Wikipedia, type in Atlanta Falcons. You can go year by year by year and look at their rosters or pro football reference. You look at the rosters he started out with. He had Matt Ryan the whole time, but obviously a declining Matt Ryan near the end. But you look at particularly the def- the, 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 the talent on defense. Those last two years he was there. Uh, obviously start, got off to the great start, 8-8 eight and eight his first year. Then he goes 11-5, and five, goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, then 10 and six, you know, followed up, didn't fall victim to the Super Bowl hangover, had a good year after the Super Bowl, and then then back to back seven and nines, and then he was 0 and five uh in a partial season before getting fired. But go look at their defensive talent and then look at their drafts his last three or four years in Atlanta. Bad. They're bad drafts. They're shallow drafts, you know, six, seven guys a year. You know, they didn't trade down, but they didn't get impact either. Very, very, very little draft contribution those last three or four years he was in Atlanta. And do we really need to talk about how many coaches have been fired that went on to great success in the NFL? I mean, the Seahawks just let one of them go today. Bill Belichick was fired as a coach before. Um, You learn and you adapt and you get better and you find a better situation, right? I think Dan Quinn is, is loved and respected in that front office. I would imagine that John Schneider feels that way about him. There are those who feel like one of the reasons that he pulled his name out of consideration and, and didn't take a head coaching job last, last offseason, and there, there seemed to have been several opportunities for him to do that, was some believe that you know Mike McCarthy might have been on thin ice there and he could have succeeded him, but also that he saw the light at the end of the tunnel and he saw this as a possibility. And I've seen reports already today uh, from the national media that it's pretty well known that he has had his eye on Seattle and that he would love to come back to this organization. We've been saying, I've been saying for weeks that a better defensive coordinator could get more out of this defense. I think there's a hell of an argument to to be made that if you give Dan Quinn the roster as it stands today, you bring Leonard Williams back, even before the draft, right? You give him that defense, they're going to be better, aren't they? They're going to play more man, which I think suits Devin Witherspoon and Reek Woolen, certainly. I think they're going to disguise things better. The pass rush is going to be better. Run defense is going to be better. Uh, I think there's a big argument to be made. Now, the question, obviously, anytime, as we said, when you hire a defensive coach, is who's, who's his offensive coordinator? And there's a couple of names that pop to mind immediately. Corbin said on the show, link will be in the description. What about Brian Schottenheimer? How odd would it be for him to come back as offensive coordinator after being fired by Pete Carroll? Now, Schottenheimer doesn't call the plays in Dallas. Mike McCarthy does. But he coordinates that offense. He's gotten a career year out of Dak Prescott. He is also the quarterback coach there. He he got the best years out of Russell Wilson. You saw the mechanics improve. You saw Russell Wilson's footwork improve. You saw him, that's when, when Russell stopped bailing out of the pocket so often and started climbing the pocket, that was under the tutelage of Brian Schottenheimer. The other name is Kellen Moore, who was a big hot name a couple of years ago. 
Um, mixed results. You know, Mike McCarthy fired him because he didn't run the football enough, so that would be an interesting dynamic. Didn't have a great year with the Chargers this year down there, but of course with Brandon Staley being fired, um, he's available. He's highly thought of, and he is from the state of Washington. Certainly those ties are huge. Um, It'd be fascinating if he got a job with the Seahawks because back when I was a sports director at KEPR, TV, CBS, and the Tri-Cities and covering the juggernaut, the dynasty that was Prosser High School football back then uh, with his dad, Tom Moore, coaching that team. Uh, I remember Kellen Moore, I'd have to do the math. I think he was five, six, seven years old running around as a ball boy at practice all those times that I went out and talked to Coach Moore and covered covered their team. Uh, one of the highlights of my career covering that team. Um, anyway, uh, Dan Quinn's going to be in this conversation from day one and very may well be the front runner when it's all over. Then we go back to the young guys. My number four position um, is Bobby Slowick. Now I said on the show the other day, uh, we were doing a live and somebody suggested Bobby Slowick. And I, my immediate reaction was I'm not hiring a guy who's only been a coordinator for one year. Um, why not? <laughs> I have rethought that. That was my thought in the moment. But then especially when you look into his background and you see what some of the other guys around the league have done um, and how some of the success these young guys have had. Slow it comes. I'm going to put another picture up on the screen for you. It's a, it's a, the resolution of the image isn't great, but this is that legendary coaching staff at uh, for the Washington Redskins in 2013. Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, four of the best head coaches in the NFL today. And look at the guy to the far left. Bobby Slowick was on that staff. He ended up following Shanahan later on to San Francisco and has been there for the last few years and was their passing game coordinator this last season. So, uh, or two seasons ago, 2022, then he gets the offensive coordinator job, um, in Houston under D'Amico Ryans, who came over, he was the defensive coordinator, San Francisco brought Slowick with him. So he saw him operate there as passing game coordinator, made him his offensive coordinator and as a defensive coach, Ryan, you know, gave him full reign of the offense and look what he did. They were, you know, in most of the metrics, they were kind of middle of the pack, but you see the success he had with a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Um, historically unusual success. If the Seahawks are thinking about going young at quarterback, and certainly if they don't this year, they will soon. Um, Slowick is a guy who brings a lot of intrigue. A lot of intrigue. And then uh, Mike McDonald is the last one, another defensive guy. Just 36 years old, really, really interesting resume. And what I like about him, some of these other guys jump around a lot. Uh, McDonald's been in Baltimore for the last seven years. He's worked his way up there under a number of defensive coordinators, mostly um, Wink Martindale. And we got to see firsthand what that Ravens defense looked like, right? All the offensive firepower that the Seahawks have, and the Ravens just manhandle this. Uh, they're aggressive, they're physical. Um, their defensive line play, um, his potential ability 
to lure a certain free agent away from Baltimore if he's not franchised. Um, they they blitz, they pressure, they disguise, they play man, they hit you. Um, again, who's his offensive coordinator going to be? Where? What are his ties there? Um, that's always going to be the question when you hire a defensive guy. But 2022, 10th in yards per game, third in points per game this year, sixth in yards per game, and number one in the NFL, allowing only 16.5 points per game as the uh, defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Now, uh, notable by his omission from this list, you may be asking yourself, what about Jim Harbaugh? I just don't see it. And I think, again, watch that interview that I did with Corbin Smith today. Uh, He made a good point. Jim Harbaugh is going to want some personnel control. One of the reasons he wanted out of San Francisco is he and Trent Baalke butted heads. Harbaugh is going to want some control. I think, I don't know, maybe this time around, maybe he's learned that he doesn't. I, I don't see that, though. I think he's a, a John Gruden type that's going to want, um, he's going to want control and a say in personnel. John Schneider's waited 14 years for this opportunity, a chance to call the shots and lead football operations. I just don't think Harbaugh is going to be the guy. I think he might want to be the guy. His people, Don Yee, his NFL-based agent who he just switched um, to recently, might reach out to the Seahawks because he might love the opportunity to go up against the 49ers twice a year. I just don't think it's a fit for where the Seahawks are now and what they want to do. And then some honorable mention guys. Uh, Eric Bieniemy's name has been tossed around a lot. Um, he did some good work with Sam Howell in Washington this year. Um, never got the credit he deserved for what's happening in Kansas City, but now you know the year he leaves, you see Kansas City struggle on offense in a way that they have uh, have not over the last few years. How much of that was him? Um, I don't know. He he's been interviewed a number of times. And it hasn't gotten jobs. Is that a red flag? Does he not interview well? There was a recent survey of NFL players of who are your favorite assistant coaches in the league or who are the best assistant coaches in the league. And he didn't get, he didn't land on that list. Um, certainly, I I would be shocked if he doesn't get an interview and, and become one of those guys that the Seahawks do talk to. Um, they got to see up close what that Washington offense looked like. And, and they might like some of the ways that he that he does that. And certainly, you know, you have to like the Andy Reed influence there and there's ties there to Mike Holmgren. And there's lots of things that tie him back to uh, potentially to the Seahawks. Uh, Brandon Staley just let go by the chargers. He was such a hot name coming up a couple years ago. Um, very strong personality, um, which rubs some people the wrong way, but some can, can see as, you know, dynamic. Um, he may be a potential guy there and, and also, if they like Kellen Moore as a potential offensive coordinator candidate, uh, that you know they might like that combination. Um, keep in mind, though, the the Seahawks' offensive coaches are still under contract. They have been given permission to explore other jobs officially, but they're still under contract. If they were to hire one of these defensive guys, especially one that might not have a ready-made coordinator to take with him, right? Like if they hire Mike McDonald, for instance, they just brought Todd Monken in and he's had great success with Lamar Jackson this year. He's not going to lure Todd Monken away. Is there, is there an assistant there that he likes? Maybe he just chooses to retain Shane Waldron 
it's a possibility. Uh, not likely, but it's a possibility. And then a kind of a dark horse candidate that's been brought up in the last hour or so is Dave Canales. He's getting, I can't recall which organizations now, I was just looking at some lists earlier today. He's going to, he's getting some head coaching interviews after just one year as an offensive coordinator. And certainly John Schneider knows him well. He worked his way up through this organization as a quality control coach and then the quarterback's coach. And then he had to leave to go get an offensive coordinator opportunity. Um, but before Waldron was hired, there was some speculation that he was in the running here. Is he a guy that maybe John Schneider sees potentially as a head coaching candidate? So he could be a dark horse as well. Um, let me put this list up one last time. What do you think of it? Um, I keep hitting the damn wrong button there. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, what do you think of it? What would your list be? Give me your top one. Um, give me your top three in the comments. And we can discuss and debate. Uh, also, if you're if you're listening to this in a timely manner, I do plan to go live tonight so we can take some questions and get some comments and have some interplay. Um, might as well just take this thing home, right? <laughs> I have been sitting at in my studio at my desk here since. 10.30 this morning, if you happen to catch the live stream that Dana O'Gorman and I did on the PSF app, wrapping up the season today, uh, we talked about, obviously, the possibility of Pete still being removed, but it was uh, immediately upon ending that stream, I hop onto Twitter and the news was just breaking, so we just missed that opportunity, but um, still lots to be discussed. And then tomorrow on the show, Thursday on the show, John Gilbert from Field Goals, uh, he had already been scheduled to come talk about some salary cap issues that is an even more important discussion as the Seahawks may be looking to clear more cap space than they would have had Pete Carroll returned and they wanted to keep as much status quo and continuity as possible follow me on Twitter at Seahawks forever uh, hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube subscribe to the channel if you're an audio podcast listener subscribe on whichever platform you prefer so that you never miss episodes and if you want ad free audio episodes you can subscribe for as little as 99 cents a month on spotify all of those links will be in the descriptions in the description of this show as well as links to the the other shows that i did earlier today uh thanks for watching Whew. it is going to be a fun off season now isn't it it certainly has changed in dynamic uh, forever and always, go Hawks. Talk to you soon.